0: looking at our belief systems. But before we start that, I want to I tell you a story. A story of not believing rightly and experiencing the consequences from it. It was uh, 2012, October 29th. The week leading up to that um, day was filled with news stories about a great storm coming. It was gonna be storm apocalypse. It was gonna be the worst thing ever seen. It's a hundred years storm. This, the hurricane was called Sandy. Does anybody remember Hurricane Sandy? So the hurricane came in and I don't have a, a TV that listens to the news all the time. So I wasn't freaked out. Even though I lived across the street from the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, across the street. Like, if you tripped in front of my house, you drowned, right? Like, it was right there. They went. Everybody was like, this is going to be the worst thing that ever happened. And I didn't believe them. Now, let me tell you why. The reason I didn't believe them was because of a hurricane that came the year before. Anybody remember Hurricane Irene? Yes. yes. Irene came, and everybody did the exact same thing. Everybody said, worst storm ever, 100-year storm. This is terrible. It's going to be horrible. I I, um, slept over with my family. We slept over a, a friend's house, and I remember watching the news, and then when we drove back home, there was a little sand on the floor. You know, some fences were tipped over. But it was like, why did we leave here? Why did we go through all of this convenience? So fast forward the next year, I was like, this is the same thing. Everybody's overreacting. People are super sensitive. This is not going to be that bad. I drive my family because my sister demanded that I at least drive my family out of that house, out of the house that we were in. So I'm like an obedient Puerto Rican kid who's obedient to, you know, are you in Puerto Rican families where you have to obey the, the kid that's older than you? Yeah, that's how it is in my culture, right? You have to obey the kid that's older than you. And so, um, boy, did I get the short end of the stick on that one, man. My daughter, my sister's only 11 months older than me, but there you go. All right, so Irish twins. So so I drive my family here to this church building, and then I'd say to myself, I'm going to get an enormous amount of work done. So I drive back, and what's interesting is that I have no traffic going back. All the traffic is coming the other way. I drive. I get over the thing. I'm like, this is going to be the day of greatest production I'll ever have in my entire life. So an hour passes. I'm typing. I'm writing. I'm doing what I do. And I look out the window because I hear the waves. I go, wow, those waves are kind of lively. And so I write a little bit more. And then I look out the window just enough to see this one wave bust. Through, and I'm talking about the cedar beams in the back of the boardwalk are like two feet thick. I mean, they're, like, they're, like a, they're, they're more like a square foot, and that's how they are. Broke through the, the cedar beams, water's gushing into the street. The ocean is, yeah, there you go. The ocean is spilling into the neighborhood. Now, I'm there, and I'm thinking, oh, snap! <laughs> I should have I believed what everybody told me. I get in my car and it's between, it's a high speed chase between the Atlantic Ocean and my little uh, car. I get, the ocean cuts me off. I go around. Harrowing experience. Now, all right, all right, just to give a spoiler alert, I survive. All right? I made it out alive. But it was close. Now, why do I tell you that story? The reason I tell you that story is because the way I believe affected the way I behaved that day. And I behaved in a way that wasn't in the best interest of my personal safety. Hmm. I wonder if this is not something that you have experienced yourself. I wonder if perhaps the way you believe about romance, the way you believe about yourself, The way you believe about your marriage, the way you believe about your friendships or your work, the way you believe about your body, the way you believe about life in general, the way you believe about your depression, the way you believe. I wonder if the way you believe hasn't affected deeply the way you've behaved. My suspicion is, if you're like me, that it has. This is true universally. Every time you act in a certain way, you can lead it back to a belief system that you had. Every time you pursue a lover that breaks your heart and leaves you wanting to die, it's because there's a false belief that you're embracing. Every time you take a crazy risk, there is a false belief that is influencing your behavior. I have a dear friend who I love, who I haven't heard from in a long time, and he's taken over 18 STD tests. 18. That means the first time he was afraid that he got an STD, he took a test. And then the second time he thought he had the virus because he had slept with some, he took a test. 18. Now, who would put themselves in harm's way like that over and over and over again? It's a person who believes wrongly, and therefore they behave badly. That's what the next series is about this summer. This summer, I want you to cancel the laundry that you're planning on doing on Sunday, I want you to go thrift store shopping at some other time other than between 10 and 12 uh, on Sunday. I want you to read your newspaper later on in the afternoon or earlier on in the morning, I want you to figure if you're going to stay out late that you're not going to do it on Saturday because this series, this brand new series we came to believe is going to be a study in how we believe and I believe that it will affect how we behave and it will in the end affect our joy in the most powerful way possible. Now the way we're going to do it is we're going to look at the most Fundamental creed or the fundamental belief system uh, that Christianity has shared um, since the very beginning. It's called the Apostles' Creed. You heard it. You heard it. We believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, etc. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a phrase out of that and we're not going to preach. The Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed in and of itself does not have the power of the Word of God. It is a creed. It is an affirmation. It is a belief system. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a phrase or a word and then we're going to look into the Scriptures and what the Scriptures have to say about that. You don't want to miss this. It's going to build your faith. It's going to help. Listen to me. If you've ever said in your life, How did I ever get here? If you've ever said, why did I do this again? If you've ever gone to the point where you kept kept on doing something that hurt you in your heart and hurt perhaps the people around you, you want to come to this series You don't want to miss a week. So I want you to just determine in your heart. Determine in your heart that you're not going to be, because let me tell you something. If you drive into the heart of a hurricane one time, that was silly. But if you do it over and over and over again, well, that's the very definition of insanity. I don't want you to live insane lives. I want you, listen to me. I want your family to be different. I want the way you raise your kids to be different. I want the way you handle relationships to be different. And so we're going to look at the Apostles' Creed as we look at, as the Apostles' Creed points to God's word, we're going to read God's word, study God's word, so that we can grow in Christ because it's our desire to grow deeper in Christ. Are you with me? All right, so you're going to, I want you to think, who in your uh, network, Who do you make meetings with? Who do you have friends with? Who are the people in your community that need to hear this message? I want you to bring them along because it's going to be a powerful series. Today, we're looking at Romans uh, chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. The book of Romans is the most theologically dense book in all of the scriptures. Paul is going to give us The simplest presentation of the gospel that you'll ever hear. Today, as we look at the Apostles' Creed, we're going to look at this. We believe. Do you know why? Because belief becomes behavior. Every time. Every time. Why am I so miserable? Because there's something you believe that's influencing how you act. Why am I so lonely? Because there's something you believe that's influencing how you respond. Why am I behaving so angry? Because there's something you believe. Why, when I eat, after that, I, go, I take a perfectly good meal? And I go to the bathroom and I throw it up. Why do I do that? Because there's something you believe that's affecting your behavior. Why did I go back to that drug or drink? Why did I do that? Because, I wonder if you get it, there's something you believe that's affecting your behavior. Why did I spend more money than I had and now I'm in a stressful place and I got to work more overtime so now I can't even consider developing my relationship with God because it cuts into my overtime which cuts into my money. Why? Because there's something you believe that's affecting your behavior. Why is my marriage, oh, she hates me, he hates me. You know, why are you guys always fighting? Listen to me. Because there's something you believe. We believe. What is it that you're believing that's either blessing your life or leading you to bad behavior? Because so you know, belief becomes behavior. Belief reproduces something. Thoughts and commitments and ideas produce something. They do. Paul knew this. God knew this about us. And so what he wanted to do was give us the simplest understanding of the gospel, which, by the way, will affect every area, every instance, every moment of your life. The gospel will affect everything. So Paul gives the simplest presentation of the gospel. We're looking at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Why don't we stand up and look at this together? On the count of three, we'll read together. One, two, three. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Perfect. Please have a seat. This is God's Word. Paul is trying to affect the behavior, the belief system of people, because he knows that their beliefs are going to affect their behaviors. He knows that if Jesus is not your God, you will find another God to worship. If Jesus is not the one you sacrifice to, you will find something else to sacrifice to. He knows. He knows that the heart is an idol-making factory, as Luther said. In other words, your idol will want to create a God for you to attach yourself to. And if you don't believe me, just think for a sec. Look at your past. We get enamored with Things that are not our gods, but that we worship, we sacrifice to, we obey, we pursue. That even against our better judgment, we submit to. Paul says, now it's interesting. Paul says in verse 9, he says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul, you have to understand, Paul is talking about something that he doesn't believe is separated. Belief and behavior is not separated to Paul. Belief and behavior are the same things. It's why in verse 9 he says, declare with your mouth and believe in your heart. And then in verse 10 he says, for it is with your heart you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess. Do you see the difference? First, he says in verse 9, declare and believe. And in verse 10, he says, believe, then declare. Well, which one is first? Well, you don't understand. They're they're not two separate things. They're one and the same. The reason that Paul in verse 9 says, declare, then believe, is because he's quoting a verse in Deuteronomy. He's reaching all the way back to Moses. He's reaching all the way back to Moses and he's literally, he's just quoting that verse. And so he's using the word order that that verse did. But then he doesn't want us to leave confused thinking that we could be saved by just going, Jesus is Lord. He wants us to know that it's a belief. And when the Bible says believe in your heart, the Bible is not talking about just your emotions, just get worked up. Your heart is, according to the scriptures, your heart is everything in you. It's your strength. It's your mind. It's your will. It's your emotions. That's why it's possible, and we've seen this before, where people have a profession of Christ, but they don't experience the joy of Christ. Some of the most miserable people in the world are people who have a profession of Christ and yet are not Experiencing the joy of Christ. People who have divided the belief from the behavior. The belief from the reaction to the belief. Paul says, if you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be, um, in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. God is trying to get our attention about the most beautiful thing. Every one of us is looking for a savior. Every one of us. If, you're, if, you're, if you feel you're unattractive, you're going to want to look to something that makes you feel attractive. Maybe it's that girl or that boy. Maybe it's the click on the screen or the movie you watch on your cable. Maybe it's the expensive clothing that you can't afford, but you purchase anyway because it'll make you feel beautiful. Many of us run to saviors that do not save. Many of us run to saviors that only imprison. Paul is telling us that salvation is found in Christ and that that has an effect. He says, believe in your heart. That means your will, your emotions. Be convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, when you're lonely, Jesus is the way to out of my loneliness. When you're depressed, Jesus is the way to save me out of my depression. When you're you're angry with yourself and you want to cut yourself, Jesus is the way out of my pain. When your mind is betraying you, Jesus is the way out of my mental unrest. When there's a compulsion to go and do something that you've done before but that you know is only going to bring pain, suffering, and sorrow, Jesus is the way out of my pain. Jesus is the way out of the suffering of my past. If you have an illness presently, Jesus is the way through my illness. In every area of life, Jesus is salvation. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith. So as we start this series, I want us to believe rightly. I want us to think rightly. You cannot say that you are a Christ follower if you follow other gods. Over There's a a discrepancy. There's a discrepancy. There's something not right. And when you come to that point, when you find yourself as you will, I promise you, I promise you that you will find yourself doing things that you don't want to share with the rest, of the rest of the church. I promise you, presently, there are things that you've done this month that if we put up on the screen, you would, you would run out of here screaming in shame. You will always find, we will always find ourselves falling into sin, stumbling in sin. But listen to me. It's how you respond to that. You go, Jesus, here's the truth about me. The reason I went after that girl is because my lonely, I thought that she could solve my loneliness more than you could. I thought that she could make me feel wonderful. I thought that she could make me feel handsome. Better. In fact, that's what I presently believe now. And in fact, that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to run to her because you are not enough for me. And when we come to that, When we say, that's the truth. That's where I'm at. This is more important to me than you, Jesus. When I come to that point, then then the gospel starts being real. Then that belief, it will affect that behavior. The belief will become the behavior. All of us, when we walk in Christ, have to walk with the singular belief, behavior. Belief, behavior. It's all one thing. It's all one thing. Belief, behavior. Belief, behavior. It's never separated. It's never apart. I I wanted to illustrate how much belief and behavior work together, and never more importantly than... In the gospel, your belief will affect the way, guys, your belief will affect the way you date if you're single. You might not even date. You might not even call it dating. You might call it something else. Women, belief will affect the way you carry yourself. The way you dress. The way you, because it changes you. Does that offend you? Good, let the gospel offend you. Belief will affect the way you parent your children. Belief in Christ will affect the way you deal with your cancer and wrestle with taking your HIV meds. Belief will affect how you walk in your recovery. Belief in Christ will affect every area of life. And to divorce the two is to discredit the gospel. The gospel says, that Jesus gives you his righteousness. Yes. That means there's nothing on this world. Nothing in this world that you can't overcome. Not over shopping, not over eating, not over spending, not over, not over anything. Amen. There's nothing in this world that you can't overcome because he gives you his righteousness. It's his righteousness that's yours. Belief and behavior are one and the same. So I was thinking about how I can illustrate this because I think I can speak till I'm blue in the face and you won't get it. So, all right. All right, so this is like a little um, lighter that you use to, um, to start your stove if you need to or, or to start a little fire. It's like barbecue season, right? So that's what we would do. Okay, does everybody see that? Yes. Okay, do me a favor. Everybody, with, with, just with one finger, I want you to point to where the heat is. Point to where the heat is uh, in this right here. Can you see it? Yeah, it's where the heat it's right there, right? If you don't believe this is where the heat is, I want you to put your hand right there. Okay? So where's the heat? Anybody, anybody know where the heat is? Point, point to it, point to it. It's right there, right there. Okay, good, 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 good. Okay, now do me a favor. Point to where the flame is. It's right there. It's right there. You can't separate the flame from the heat. There is no separation of the flame from the heat. To talk about the flame is to talk about hot. And to talk about hot is to talk about the flame, right? You've heard that right, right where there's smoke, there's fire. right? You can't separate the two. Listen to me. You can't say. you cannot say, there's the Christian and there's the behavior. You cannot say, "Here is the Christ follower." And there is the way I raise my kids. Here is the Christ follower. And there is the way I dress. Here is the Christ follower. And there is the way I speak. Here is the Christ follower. And there is the way that I walk. You can't do it. You can no more separate belief from behavior than you can flame from heat. So listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal, you ready? Many of you got no flame. You're flameless. Jesus has been drawing you to himself. Jesus has been wooing you to himself. Jesus has been saying, listen, I love you, I love you, but it hasn't, listen, listen, Jesus has been bringing you. But you haven't said Jesus, my life, my heart, my aspirations, my new hopes for my marriage, my family, my body, my thinking, my future, my finances. It's all affected in you. You just haven't, surre- you just haven't said Jesus. You haven't believed in your heart. And therefore it's affected your confession. Wow. Do you see that? And I just want you to know, that's really good news. That's good news that you, that you right now have figured out that you're as messed up as you really are. Because we're really messed up. We're really messed up. Let's stop pretending, please. I don't want us to be a church. I don't want us to be a church of a group of people who come together on a Sunday to get their fix and then live like Jesus doesn't exist for the rest of the week. It's not a gospel presentation. <laughs> belief the b- belief affects behavior. You know what that means? That means that means your belief will affect your sexual orientation. Are you affected by that? Are you offended by that? It will. Belief will affect your promiscuity, how you think about being with whoever you want. Belief will affect how you spend your finances. Belief will affect at how you look at other Christians when they're not behaving up to your standard. And you'll go, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I look like. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that whenever I see somebody rebel against God, I'm looking at a visual illustration of my own rebellion against God. My wife has asked me, you know, how could you be so patient? And number one, I go, I remind her, I'm not a very patient person. But it makes me weep when I see people behaving just like me. And that Jesus gives me so much mercy, so much kindness, so much love. Belief in Christ will change everything. Because belief eventually becomes behavior. This entire series, we're going to be looking at our beliefs. In this entire series, we're going to be asking God to change us on the inside. Jesus Jesus is better than the taste of the chocolate. Jesus is better than the taste of the alcohol. Jesus is better than the taste of the kiss. Jesus is better and then the taste of the dress, the taste of everything that you get that you think will make you happy but will only rob you of your joy. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. So you're here, and you go, oh, I don't know. I think that there was a flame, but there's no fire. I'm glad. All of us get there at some time. I want you to come to Jesus. I want you to go, Jesus, I want... I want to believe in my heart. Isn't it precious how Paul affects every moment of time in this one sentence? For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. He affects every ever our life. Our present belief in what Christ has done in the past will lead us to never be put to shame in the future. Do you see how every moment of life is infused with the joy of the gospel? You're sad. It's because you're not looking at the gospel rightly. And you're taking it from a guy who gets into severe depressions. You're, you're insecure. It's because you're not looking at the gospel rightly. You're taking it from a guy who knows no bounds to his insecurities. You, I could do this all day, guys. <laughs> I love you. And I want you to experience the joy of Jesus. So, some of us just simply need to do an old-fashioned word. It's called repentance. And repentance is simply changing your mind. And there's more to it, I think. I think that the, when the Bible speaks about repentance, it, it couples it with the fruit of repentance. Repentance is the changing of your mind. The fruit is it's belief behavior again. And so, what will it be? You have an opportunity today to say Jesus Here's the truth about me. I think that the job takes care of all of my bills. Therefore, my job, whatever it says, I, because I believe that my job takes care of all of my bills, whatever my job says is the way I behave. You just need to repent of that. Some of you think that your beauty is found in a number on a machine in your bathroom floor. That's madness. That's crazy. That's insane. Think about how crazy that is. No, women, think about this for a second. Just think about this for a second. If we were in, say, two, three hundred years ago, the more plump you were is the more sexy you were. So if they were on the scale and they were like under 200 pounds, they were like, come on, I gotta have some more turkey legs. We get on that same stupid machine and we let it dictate how we're going to feel about ourselves. Oh, don't do it. The gospel, listen, Jesus has made you beautiful in the gospel. You are a daughter of the most high God. He's yours. Listen, some of us thought, it's my children, it's my children. That's how I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed by raising my children upright, and then they go all wrong, and so you're now you're a bad person. And listen, sometimes, can I just tell you the truth? Can we just do this? Let's just kiss that demon on the lips. Let's just go, yup, yep, bad person, bad parent, bad husband, bad son, bad everything. Let's just go ahead and agree, and then just go, now Jesus, from what I understand, my belief is, because I believe in my heart, my belief is, is that you recruit and accept Husbands, bad sons, bad daughters, bad, bad pastors, bad Christians. Like, that's from my experience. Would you receive me and let me feel the love of the gospel so that I might walk in the light of the gospel and not in my faulty thinking. So repent. Repent. Jesus is Lord. He died for your vile, wicked, grimy, nasty self, and he says, "I'll give you my righteous, beautiful, holy self." Amen. And now we can walk as heirs of the King Amen. Oh, with a Father. Listen, your earthly father if it was he like mine? That left when I was 11 years old. I have a heavenly Father who's never left. It's, oh man, I'm going to do it again. So here's the deal. I want you to come to Christ. I want you to commit to Christ. I want you to also commit to coming to this series. Now, we're going to hear someone's testimony about coming to Christ. And as we hear their testimony, I want you to rejoice in Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Know that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, That salvation is yours because belief in Christ will affect your behavior in Christ. And it will only reveal what Jesus already knew that you were his all along.
1: My family, my name is Rosalyn. Before coming to Christ, I was in the grips of addiction to drugs. My life became about getting and using drugs. I had no feelings for anyone, and it did not care about myself or others. I did not want to fail or deal with my feelings. So I, so- I sought more drugs to numb the pain. While I was using drugs, I suffered a brain aneurysm. Despite the medical scare, I still continued to use drugs for two more years. In 2011, I still, deep into my drug use, I could not stop. I prayed to God to help me, and he did. I was rescued by means of getting arrested. The judge in the system showed me mercy by sending me to a treatment program instead of jail. The treatment center began helping me learn the skills I needed to stay clean. In the same treatment center, I heard the gospel. One of the counselors explained that Jesus died for my sins and that if I believed that he died for my sins and invited him to take control of my life, I would be saved. That night, I went in my room, and I got down on my knees, and I confessed, living a life without Christ and inviting Jesus into my heart. In my life, at that moment, Jesus welcomed me into his family, and he became my Savior. Then I stepped out in faith, and I continued my journey. I found Rojo by going to staff meetings here and started attending service each week. I began taking classes at this church and going to meetings, and slowly I started to feel the way the I started to feel that I was living a new life. The scriptures, second Corinthians 5, 17, have a special meaning to me. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, I come new. The brain atomism wiped out much of my memory about my early life. I knew that I must have sinned in many ways because my relationship with my family was fractured and many areas of my life was in despair. So I continue to understand what it means to be a new creature, a new creator. I have an aunt who has always had love for me and compassion for me and I, I began, I'm able to show the same love back to her is awesome. I have a son and a granddaughter who look forward to me calling her every week. I love everything about my new life today. When I had the aneurysm, I I almost died. I was in a coma for a very long time. I didn't even know where to begin to thank God for bringing me back. God has me right where I want to be, where he wants me to be. Today is an honor to serve God. At times I battle with my flesh. I want to be loved by men, but God loves me more than any man can ever love me. So I ask God to intervene in those situations. My relationship with him is the most important one today in my life. I understand that when I surrender my heart to God, I must trust in him and allow him, and allow my my will and my ways to get in the way of what he's trying to do for me to me. I'm grateful for this church and my church family. I wanted to share my story because Jesus is good news for all those who believe. God bless you and thank you. <laughs>
0: She's going to get baptized now. As a, now, baptism, baptism is not, does not make you saved. Do you understand this? There's nothing holy about this water. What saves you is Jesus. But she's going to show on the outside what God has already done on the inside. Just like water cleans you on the outside, Jesus washes you on the inside. And that's what baptism is. It's a demonstration of that. So excited. Yeah. 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 Here we go. There we go, Rosalind. There we go. Neato. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. (laughs) So, I want to give two people opportunities to repent. Those of you who are religious, I want you to repent of your religiosity. Your good deeds will never get you saved. Your kind acts will never get you saved. You must repent and depend on Jesus. If you depend on Jesus... If you do not depend on Jesus and depend on your good deeds, you're no better. You're no better than the rebel. You've depended on something other than Jesus for salvation. So I call you to, you religious people, I call you to repentance. And then I call you rebels. I call you to repentance. Those of you who have said, I am the flame, but the fire is there, that I am a Christian, but my decisions are look like that, I just, listen, come to Jesus. His salvation, His forgiveness is big enough for you as well. Now, in about 30 seconds as a response to this message and it is a response to repentance. In other words, you're going to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior, not anything else. Not religion, not rebellion. I want you to be my Savior. Amen. I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand and say, God, I want to repent. You're my Savior. I've got no more excuses. It's about 20 seconds from now. I know that there are people around you and You go like, I don't want to stand. I don't want to do anything like that. Listen, it doesn't matter. They won't be with you when you look at uh, the Father face to face. So, if you religious people want to repent and rely on Jesus for your salvation, and if you rebellious people want to repent and rely on Jesus for your salvation, in five seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand. Four, three, two, one. Those who want to repent, please stand. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. 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 Yeah. 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 Amen. 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 Yeah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. What we're saying here, what we're going to say here is that I believe Jesus will save me. Save me from my good works and save me from my rebellious acts. Jesus is what we're relying on for our salvation.